Zidio Sports, Icarus Canopies, now Gyro. That's right, we've rebranded, and Gyro is our next generation. It honours our founder, as that's the name we knew him by, but Gyro also marks the start of a new chapter. And not to be biased, but it's going to be fucking epic. Long story short, we're more us than ever. So if you're new to the sport, or even a Sky God Ninja Turtle, welcome. I think our valiant leader Lucy, Gyro's daughter, Says it best. And we still got that fuck your attitude. <laughs> Rebrand. Woo. Rebrand woo indeed, Lucy. Anyway, head over to gyro.com for more info and get amongst your legends. I was 19, broke, unemployed, and sold my girlfriend's canopy for drug money. So I thought I'd better sew her a new one. What a sentence and what a story. This describes the humble yet outrageous beginnings of NZ Aerosports, the home of Icarus Canopies, in the words of our founder himself. From getting a paratrooper toy from his mom, watching parachutes at the DZ as a six-year-old, jumping off the wharf with a parachute made from bedsheets, doing his first jump at 16, sewing his first canopy on a borrowed machine at 19, and starting to sell parachutes out of a garage in 1986, Paul Gyro Martin had an undying love for the sky. Our company started with one man with the wildest of spirits in a true blue sky dream, a renegade. In the time that Gyro created and ran the Icarus Canopies brand until he passed away in 2017, he pushed everything he had to its limits. We miss him and we always will. Gyro is the next generation of NZ Aerosports. It honors our founder, of course, because it was the name we all knew him by, but Gyro the rebrand also marks the start of a new chapter, our next jump. Gyro is the space between sound and silence, art and science, chaos and calm. Gyro is a state of epic tranquility that transcends understanding. That moment, in the door, in free fall, mid-swoop, where nothing but the present exists. A perfect balance of euphoria and thrill. Gyro captures our passion for flying and our commitment to designing break-the-fucking-rules canopies that deliver pilots pure, wild flight. Hey gang, so I got a new book out. It's called The Upside of Fear, and it's exactly what you think it's about. It's about the good side of, well getting scared. In it, we talk not only about the science and biology behind fear, but the psychology as well. And it's not just coming from me, it's coming from some of the best in the sport. Omar Alhijalan, Jeff Provenzano, Maxine Tate, and so many more have contributed their sometimes terrifying stories to the book to help you overcome your fear. So head to the lunaticfringepodcast.com. You're going to find the link to the book there as well as the other books. It's available in ebook, paperback, hardback, and audiobook right now. Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! 
Back in the can for another edition of the Lunatic Fringe podcast and one I've been trying to track down for a little while. So let's get it started. Who the fuck are you and what do you do? What's going on, everybody? My name is James Heck. I'm a tandem instructor, AFF instructor based out of Skydive, Alabama, here at the drop zone right now. Nice. Um, I got got wind of your profile because I saw you've put out a lot of really cool pictures of of everything from doing tandems to some pretty badass base jumps. And I know you've been doing it for a while, so I reached out because it looks like a good story I want to get. And you're you're in Alabama now? Yep, I'm here in Alabama. I actually uh, started skydiving in Georgia. Um, I'm still a baby bird when it comes to base jumping. I don't have very many, just a handful of base jumps. Sure. But, uh, I love the Bridge Day event up in West Virginia. That's a pretty cool experience. Dude, that was my first ever uh, time seeing base jumping in person. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to date myself because I'm fucking old. But I got hired to film the landings portion of the old Lemmings videos for Bridge Day in 1996. And I stood down at the bottom of that bridge watching people hit trees and rocks and splash into the water. And I'm like, nah, fuck that, man. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty intense when you're down there in the landing area looking up. Uh, Yeah, man. Same goes for when you're standing on the edge of that bridge looking down. I mean, it's super intense. Honestly, I don't know what was more intense, though, the edge of the bridge or the port of John right at the end of the line for the base jumpers. They're both pretty intimidating and scary. Well, I mean, it went next level because when I went out there, there was still an old guy that was jumping a pilot shoot, spring-loaded pilot shoot rig off of that, and he'd jump out, pull his fucking D-ring, and then wiggle to get the thing off of his back. And now you guys got catapults throwing people off the bridge. Yeah, it's pretty epic. Um, actually, this last year, there was still a guy out there jumping a sky rig. So that was kind of really? interesting to see. I think he was the only one. I mean, come on. There's still got to be some old dogs out there doing it. So, hey, uh, like I always do in the podcast, I'm going to start you all the way back to the beginning. So for you, was extreme sports a skydiving thing that started or were you up to other stuff as well? Because you're from California originally, yeah? Yeah, I was born in San Diego. I actually grew up northwest of Atlanta in Cedartown, Georgia where they had skydive the farm and Atlanta uh, skydive center. And so going to school there as a kid growing up, I actually met somebody that worked at ASC and I would come over to hang out and his wife would tell me he's at ASC. And I was like, what is that? She's like, it's Atlanta skydiving center. And I was like, skydiving, what is that? And next thing I know, they brought me out to the drop zone, had me on my hands and knees trying to shove a bunch of nylon in the bag, not knowing what I was doing or what I was, which journey I was about to embark on. And, Honestly, seeing people do that as a kid, that inspired me and just lit my fire for skydiving. I was like, I don't even like school anymore. This is all I want to do is come out and pack on the weekends and during the summer. So now this Um, was at what age? I was 14 when I discovered skydiving. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's actually really fucking young to not be in a skydiving family and be introduced to the sport. Correct. Yes. Um, A lot of the fun jumpers there at the farm were like, man, I wish I got into this when I was your age. Like I heard that countless times. I bet. Um, it was actually kind of saddening that my parents weren't skydivers because I had to wait till I was 18 for the age limit. Um, the DZO was like, yeah, we don't, we don't trust you. You're just some local kid that just showed up. You know? Right. Right. So now what did mom and dad think uh, when you at 14 years old, all of a sudden you're packing parachutes at a drop zone? So it was March 2011. I was 15. That was my first season actually packing parachutes. Um, my dad hated it. He wished I didn't go out to the drop zone. He <laughs> saw a bunch of crazy people. You know, I came from a pretty strict, stubborn family. And um, I was definitely the black sheep, though. And 
made some friends hanging out there at the drop zone and just found like that was kind of my home away from home, you know, my second sure. family. And um just started coming out all the time and never really wanted to leave, but my parents saw probably a better future for me, such as going to college and stuff like that. And I, that was just not in my books at the time. Do you think part of the problem that they had was um, the fact that it was people jumping out of airplanes or the fact that skydivers can get pretty, uh, pretty loose on the ground? I think it was a little bit of both there. I mean, definitely the people kind of probably brought some concern up for my parents, but also jumping out of an airplane, you know, doesn't typically sound like a safe thing to do. So. <laughs> right. So now you, you pack parachutes for four years. Well, first off at that age, I know myself, I'm, I'm a kind of anal retentive when it comes to pack jobs anyway. I mean, I used to have to use the packing mat in cross keys cause we were just too busy to pack, but I fucking hated it. Like I like packing for myself. So I know me. And if I had walked into a drop zone and laid my rig down and a 14 year old picked it up to pack, I would have been all oh, fuck this man. <laughs> did like, did you have a tough time at that age? So it was definitely hard picking up packing just like as it goes for anybody, you know, I probably packed the same uh, parachute, which was about 230 square feet, probably over a hundred times before they ever even cleared me off to letting me pack for people. Wow. Those mainly just sport rigs, two sixties and two eighties that had step throughs, line overs and a, and a briar patch, a bunch of thorns stuck in the canopy from the <laughs> AFF students. All right. Those are what I started off on. I was definitely intimidated by tandems and it took me a couple of years before I ever even started packing tandems. Um, did it, did it take a while for the jumpers to like accept that someone as young as you was packing or did they just go, yeah, he's good. I definitely got some eyeballs from like the tandem students while I would be face down on the nylon. I'd just look <laughs> over, I'd be like, this one's for you just to kind of intimidate him a little bit. And so then, you, uh, had the, I, you had the sense of humor right away. Definitely had a sense of humor. I remember hearing from my high school teachers like oh you're packing the parachutes like i'm definitely not going skydiving then <laughs> yeah so what is so got a lot of that. i mean you're in school at the time right so i mean that's an unusual thing for a high school kid to be doing is spending all his spare time at a drop zone so what did your friends and and other students think i mean they kind of loved it when i'd go to the vending machine and have a bunch of ones in my pocket and they're like hey can i get a dollar i'm like yeah go get a job <laughs> so i definitely Felt like I had a head start there, but um, not so, so much as far as going to college and stuff like sure. that. Sure. Well, I was going to say, so you're in high school and, and uh, um, you start doing the thing out at the drop zone. Was there ever any other plan or were you just, I mean, because like I was a shit uh, high school student. I had no fucking clue. I still don't know what I'm going to be when I grow up, but I did certainly did that. that. So were you the same way? You just kind of were getting through it? Pretty much. Yeah. I like to say I just like to wing it. Um, no plan. <laughs> um, I definitely wanted to skydive. I didn't have any sort of thought of being an instructor or anything like that, but jumping out of an airplane definitely seemed like something I wanted to get involved with. And I remember hanging up parachutist magazines on my wall and staring at those as a kid and thinking like, this is all I want to do. And I remember the moment where I said, yeah, I'm not going to go to college. I'm going to be a skydiver. And that's kind of just where the dedication to skydiving started for me. Which is awesome, especially since you hadn't even made a jump by then. So you hit 18. I mean, how fucking good was it? It was pretty good. Um, I had a beanie on my head. It was January, so I was kind of focused on that toboggan <laughs> flying off my head. Kind of took away from that first experience. But um, I, I imagine I would have 200 skydives before graduating high school, and I had two tandems. So like, it was kind of let down. But Really? 
that was two more tandems than every other kid in high school. Yeah. I was them the videos, you know, we're taking tests and I'm like, here, look at this video on my phone. I jumped out of an airplane. Like, so, I mean, by the time you actually got the jump, your parents must have realized, well, this is just what he's going to do. Yeah, this is just who he is and what he's going to do. And pretty much, I guess they just kind of accepted that that was the journey I wanted to take. I mean, really, there's a lot to be said for having a direction, regardless of what it is. If you got a passion for something and that's the way you want to go, you're already ahead of like, what, 90 percent of people out there? Something like that. I don't know. I had a had a good leap in the beginning for sure. Yeah, man, I did. I like I said, I had no fucking clue what I wanted to do. I didn't discover skydiving until I was twenty seven. And like most of the people that I'm sure you've heard it from a million times, my only regret in the sport is that I didn't start earlier. Correct. Yeah, I definitely heard that a lot. Yeah. So you got out and you made that first jump, and obviously you knew that that was something you wanted to do. You got a couple of tandems in while you were still in high school, but when did uh, AFF start, and how did that go for you? So I actually totaled a motorcycle when I was 18 on the taxiway going about 115 miles an hour. And that definitely put a pause to everything for me. Mm-hmm. All my friends telling me I was lucky to be alive. And um, I actually went out and worked another job doing like scanning inventory and worked that for a few months. And I was like, yeah, this sucks. This is not what I want to do at all. I'm going back to packing parachutes. And it was uh, 2015 in the spring that I went ahead and started doing AFF. I remember telling the DZO like, Hey, I'm ready to jump, man. And he put me up with a couple instructors. I called my dad and said, Hey, I'm jumping out of an airplane today. And him and my mom showed up and that was it. First, first jump was a sunset. Uh, I had one instructor hanging on to me. The other one was just pretty much flying outside video. Um, pretty spotless skydive. I, I mean, couldn't really take too many flaws from it other than someone's holding on to me. So couldn't sure. get too out of control. Well, but I remember opening up and being under canopy, staring off into that sunset, just thinking, wow, man, this is great. Yeah. And then I hear him come on the radio. He's like, hey, turn back to the airport. And I turn around. The airport looks like it's seven miles away. And that was my first <laughs> canopy ride was just headed back to the airport. Um, flew a pattern, came in, stood up the landing, had a crowd of people cheering me on. And oh. that was that was my blissful moment. That must have been really cool for your parents to see, too, not just to see you do something that you've obviously wanted to do for, you know, at that time, four years, four or five years, but to see a crowd of people that are embracing what you've just done. They must have thought at that point, oh, shit, maybe he's on to something. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely a very cool moment for me. And uh, actually, my mom, I've taken her on two tandems now. Um, I think she said she would do it again. My dad gonna... had some static line jumps back in the 80s, but uh, never free fall. He actually made a tandem jump before I ever even got to make my first tandem jump. And when I was packing parachutes, I think I even packed his rig. And uh, that was kind of cool to see my dad come in the drops. And I was kind of pissed off, though, because I wanted to jump. And, and my dad comes <laughs> in and makes a tandem jump. And I can't, I'm not old enough to jump yet. I mean, but, fair enough. He if... didn't like the free fall. He said he couldn't breathe, and it just bothered him. Well, you know how it is, right? I mean, because you're an instructor, it, that it fucks with some people. And I remember, sure and I'm does. sure you you've seen it a million times too. But I'll never forget the first time I was flying video in front of a tandem, and I'm I've got this student looking me dead in the eyes, screaming over and over, "I can't breathe! I can't breathe! I can't breathe!" And all I could think is, "You're fucking breathing, you." <laughs> Right. Yeah. If you're speaking, telling me you can't breathe, obviously you're taking some breaths there. I definitely learned that through my dad, who was an EMT as I was growing up. So he's like, yeah, "Yeah, yeah. they're talking to you, they're breathing. 
Well, that well, became the had a handful of those students. I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, man. Well, that became the big teaching moment for me because when I went on a couple of years later to become a tandem instructor, one of my big things with nervous students would be to tell them, if you think you can't breathe, just scream and yell because when your lungs empty out, they will fill back up. That's pretty much the beginning of my spill as I'm putting them in the harness. You know, if you can't man. breathe, scream, woo, run yourself out of breath, get it all out, and that next deep breath you're going to take in. Yeah, yeah them to keep their head up so the wind's not blasting them right in the mouth right so now knowing that you wanted to jump for so long and waiting as long as you did um did you still have to put up with a pretty decent fear factor in that uh, that learning curve and learning how to skydive or or was it just a this is what i'm doing man i'm i'm good i would say it was probably 40 to 50 jumps before i ever even got over the fear of the door so the door fear is definitely real the gear fear you know packing parachutes for four years did give me kind of a lead way to know how they open and how they work a little bit more but definitely didn't really knock the fear back it's fucking wild right because i mean you would think especially if you're working at the drop zone you'd think you'd have your head around being scared but that just is not the case yeah i mean it's it's intimidating it's it's different for everybody though you know yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, well, and it, you and I have both seen it uh, as instructors. You get people that they don't really show a lot of fear, even though they might feel a little bit. And then you get the ones that you can't believe they're not pissing their pants because they're so scared. Yeah, it's usually the ones that are super ready to do it. Those are the ones I kind of keep my eyes on. I'm like, all right, what's he going to do? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can in here. The stoked ones that uh, that uh, come out to the drop zone and all they can say is, I wish you didn't have to do this strap to another guy. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys. So how did you start? I mean, obviously you started working by being a packer, um, but you're you're a licensed skydiver and now you're a, a fun jumper. What was the transition from going from that into working in it? So, yeah, a lot of two way head downs and a lot of free fly jumps. Those were pretty much the glory days back there, learning how to free fly. And, you know, I wasn't that great at belly flying because I'm really light. So I was like a little hummingbird in the sky. Right. Trying to come down to these rounds without floating over, coming over the top of the entire formation. Sure. So free flying seemed like the way to go for me. Was um, there a, a tunnel that you could train in or was it all just one jump at a time? I, I'm not sure. I don't think I Fly Atlanta was around at the time. I think I actually went up to the flyaway in Pigeon Forge. We nice. me and a couple of buddies took a trip up there and uh, that's fun for what it is. Yeah. Or what yeah. it was. I guess it's not even a thing anymore. Yeah. The uh, um, uh, Ray Kubiak and his partner are fucking uh, tearing it down and building a whole like uh, um, amusement theme park, massive tunnel, flow rider, all kinds of shit. Yeah, I heard that the tunnel was supposed to be getting redone, but I haven't really heard much since that one initial warning of, hey, they're tearing down flyaway. Yeah, well, the uh, the owner uh, is a guy by the name of Rob Ogle is the first person ever to put me in the air in the flyaway tunnel in Vegas. Um, and he's yeah. actually the guy I blame for my entire time in the sport because I went into the tunnel with him and he gave me that standard line that you give like all the first timers that just don't horribly suck. He's like, you're you're a natural at this. You should skydive. Yeah. <laughs> And next thing you know, fucking 28 years later, I'm I'm sitting in a booth talking to you. <laughs> right. You know, Here but I are. mean, the, the, yeah, the flyaway tunnel was fun, but it, uh, um, the old style tunnel doesn't do much for teaching you how to free fly. That's for sure. But back to your question, as far as 
um, working in the sport. Um, I, I never imagined to be an instructor at the time. Um, I think someone just kind of slapped a camera on my head because he didn't want to do his video jump. And that's kind of how I started flying video. Um, <laughs> Sounds about yeah, right. Flying tandem videos. And then, yeah, the, my buddy Kyle Stubbs was actually like, hey, I'm going. I had 900 jumps at the time, was waiting for him to hit his 500 mark. And he said, I'm going down to Florida to get my tandem rating. It's time to nut up or shut up. And I actually messaged him a couple of weeks ago. I was like, dude, that was the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life. Like, thank you for saying that to me. That's pretty awesome. So we went and got our tandem ratings. And that's pretty much where all the fun really began, you know, taking people on those journeys and giving that experience back to people. Um, that tandem course, I don't know about you, but looking back, that's still some of the scariest shit I've ever done. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, was just watching those videos the other day. It was like, man, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I mean, you sit there and you have to watch that fucking side spin video and like come to grips with the fact that you're going to be more scared than your students and then do all of that right. shit and the drogless tandem and all that. Oh, man. Fucking hell. They all surprisingly went really smooth in the course. I actually... Did pretty well in that, I'd say. Brom, um, Scott Ive Ratings instructor, he actually told me that that was one of the smoothest jumps that he's ever been on. I'm sure he tells everybody that. Just like, you know, you're a natural. Sure. I re I'll never forget the, uh, the canopy opened up after the drogless jump, and the guy that gave me my rating, the actual, the, he took me through the whole course, a guy by the name of Simon Wade, was laughing his ass off because, of course, I had no idea, but I was just huffing and puffing and so fucking amped up I couldn't see straight. And he's laughing in the front of me going, dude, if I could bottle up just a little of the shit running through your veins right now, I'd make a fortune. <laughs> <laughs> Simon Wade actually did the line set on my Petra. Recently, did he? Like oh. I've never met him in person, though. I would love to. Dude, he's so, fucking, he's fantastic. I, I literally, he, he, uh, um, I was working at Skydive Las Vegas and he was my, uh, tandem evaluator, uh, kind of bullied me into getting my rating, which I did not want. And I got forced into it. And now of course, looking back, my favorite way to jump is doing tandems. I just loved him. I heard every bit of what you just said. Like I was not ready. And they're like, what were you nervous for? You're good at it. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I mean, the that fear thing. Oh, yeah, man. Well, the first student that I had, because Vegas, uh, we had a lot of Japanese tourists had come through. So, you know, I had just gotten through the course. I had just taken the required experience jumpers. And all of a sudden, now I'm a tandem instructor at a pretty busy mid-sized drop zone. And my first ever tandem student is a Japanese guy that doesn't speak English. And all I want to do is tell this guy how not to kill me. And all we do is just kind of nod at each other. And I'm like, fuck, this is this is the worst thing that could ever happen. Terrifying. I would say now those are probably some of my favorite students. Like, you <laughs> yeah. don't have to talk to them too much. It's just like, you know, they have a lot of energy. They're super hyped. But um, definitely trying to get the word across to them to let go of something is kind of hard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, you, so you, you started out at the drop zone packing and, and then obviously worked your way through camera and then got your tandem rating, but this is all the same drop zone? Yep. Um, Scott out of Georgia, Scott out of the farm. Nice. Uh, they actually merged over from the farm and then became Scott out of Georgia. I don't know, a bunch of sure. Scott out of politics, but, um, yeah, that was, that was my home DZ. That's where everything started for me. Um, definitely had a lot of, a, big handful of mentors and canopy pilots to kind of push me 
in the right direction to advance. Sure. Well, I mean, you kind of were in the right place because, I mean, everybody knows the farm. Yeah. Long live the farm. Yeah, right, man. Yeah, for sure. So now you're you're doing tandems and you're having a good time doing that. But uh, um, are you looking to other avenues in the sport for entertainment at the same time? Or are you like thinking competition? I want to do this. I want to do that. Well, I had started wingsuiting before I got uh, my tandem rating. I, I had about 206 jumps. I remember them going and looking at Burble saying, oh, he doesn't have 200 jumps. He doesn't have 200 jumps. They looked and on Burble, which actually was probably less than the actual jump numbers that i had because some of them were let's just say off the radar right um, they, they said 206 and so they're like all right he's got enough and they just put me in a wingsuit and there was actually a big way going on at the time i remember the uh snta and rigor big steve hazeman i don't know if you know him i don't he, i don't he said um you're not doing a big way for your first wingsuit jump and i was like i don't know what i'm doing i'm just like this guy's telling me what to do and how to exit and how to pull. And I just, I remember just leaving that conversation because the props were spinning and running up to the top of the hill and jumping on the plane. <laughs> and um, I'm thinking all these guys are following me out afterwards and I get out and I'm like looking over my shoulder, trying to my first wingsuit jump ever. And I'm trying to find out where everybody's at. And I'm like kind of losing a little bit of control there as I'm looking over my shoulder. I'm like, all right, just keep it straight. And then I realized it was just me out there and nobody was following me. All right. And then I see the whole big way get out of the plane. I'm like, oh, there they go. That, I mean, that's, I, I hate to say it, but yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> kind of check my altitude and I'm like almost fearful of the turn that I'm making. And I think I just flew in the same direction and opened up like five miles away from the airport. <laughs> barely made it back to the end of the runway type thing. Well, was wingsuiting something that you'd been uh, kind of aiming towards or it just was, oh, hey, I should try this pretty much hey i should just try this like nice. it seemed like something fun to do and nice you definitely yeah, I mean, you strike me as the type that you're like all right yeah i'll try this i'll try the next adventure yeah i'll try everything once or twice <laughs> even How did, the bad things sometimes you got to learn life lessons the hard way though yeah no well i mean it's this is the one sport we're learning from other people's fuck-ups is better but every once in a while you still got to do it and that was the advantage I had packing parachutes for four years as a kid. I was able to watch these people land and hear their conversations about how their jump went and watch the videos that they put up as they were debriefing. And that kind of gave me a heads up into sure. jumping before I ever even jumped. I mean, I can't get over the the, the cheering squad you must have had because if you put four years in at the drop zone, all of these people must have been so stoked to see you jump. Yeah, they were definitely excited about it. Probably just about just as excited as I was. Now, when did uh, uh, you said you've only got a handful of base jumps, but uh, when did you know that was something you wanted to try? I don't really want to talk about my first base jumps. Um, they were definitely <laughs> fair enough. Late night influenced base jumps. Um, those were the fun ones, though, that I look back at and I go, wow, I did that and I survived it um, <laughs> doing some antenna jumps and uh not knowing what i was getting myself into there um bridge day definitely was a fun event we had a good group of guys go up there a few years ago i think it was like 2018 mm. and um some people making their first jumps i remember they were like just say you've already been and go stowed so you know, so i didn't have to take a course but, right uh, oh do they require a course now i believe so um that's awesome on, the people i think scotty bob has a good course from what i've heard 
I mean, that's I, I'm not a base jumper. I made the decision a long time ago because right about the time I really started getting into skydiving, I became a dad. Uh, so base jumping was just off the table. Um, but uh, it was always super intriguing and I always enjoyed watching it. But you learned by grabbing somebody that had done it once and could help get you off of whatever you were going to jump off of. And now, of course, to see these courses worldwide that are like, hardcore super informative courses is badass yeah i definitely have a lot of respect to those guys sharing the knowledge and that's something that i kind of still feel like i lack a bit of is knowledge and base jumping you know mm. like the snake river saying what you don't know can kill you so. sure sure now is that something that you want to be doing more of or it's just kind of you enjoy it now and then i'm still open to uh taking a base jumping course i would love to get out to the prime this year and maybe get some mentorship from like people like sean schumer miles Dasher, some of those guys nice nice now how's the how's the recovery from covid been season wise i mean did things how was it over covid for you were you were you super slow and and like the rest of us kind of hiding somewhere or did you guys just keep Uh, on going man i was burning bridges left and right i was an (laughs) alcoholic i was going down the wrong road man i actually got blacklisted from the drop zone for about a year oh wow and was out working on cell phone towers so i missed that was the longest i went without making a scott i was a whole oh, wow. year that that about drove me nuts so was COVID it was it covid era. that kind of put you in a tailspin um no it was just lack of guidance you know, growing up at the drop zone and thinking some things were cool that definitely weren't and um yeah just kind of being an asshole so yeah i mean I tell you what, though, if you, if you're gonna have those kind of moments, doing it at a drop zone in in the skydiving community is where you know you're gonna end up with forgiveness. I mean, because fuck, we've all been there. So, oh man, it, I got tired of waking up every morning and telling the same people that I was hanging out with the night before that I had to work with the next day. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for last night. Not even knowing what I was apologizing for at the point. Like, yeah, but that got kind of tiring. Well, for sure. I mean, but. I, I don't want to say that's part of being a kid and, and growing up, but it's definitely part of skydiving because fuck, it's such a um, it's such an exciting community and we can be so over the top. So it's easy to take it too far. Yeah, definitely. I definitely did that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we um, all... I'm proud to say I'm almost two years. March 1st will be two years without even drinking alcohol for me now. So oh, dude, like I'm that's badass. To my life headed in the right direction. That's badass, um, man. Not saying anything against anybody that does drink. I just can't really handle it. I'd take it too far. Well, that's the kind of the, the cool thing, too, like uh, especially in skydiving for the first, I don't know, 10 years that I was in the sport, I didn't drink at all. And nobody ever gave me shit for it. You never heard about that. I was the guy sitting at the bonfire that didn't have a beer in my hands or wasn't drinking. Nobody cared. You know, I mean, so you can't just do your own thing. It was, you know, I mean, each individual just does their own thing. So it's, I mean, you're kind of in the perfect place to just still go out and have fun and do all that, but you don't need the booze. Yeah. I mean, where I came from growing up and where I'm at now, two totally different environments. I'm actually really at peace here knowing that a lot of people are on that same recovery train here at Skydive Alabama. And nice. It, it's nice to share that experience with people. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, not to mention it makes waking up to do fucking tandems at eight o'clock in the morning a hell of a lot easier. Hell of a lot easier. Yeah. (laughs) Not um, spinning in circles on the plane while the plane's spinning in circles going up. Yeah. Yep. 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 No, I've definitely spent a bit of time on the first three or four loads of the day riding to altitude, trying harder than my student was to not puke. (laughs) I heard that. It's not good. (laughs) No, it's definitely kind of frowned upon, you know, eight, eight hours bottle of throttle, everybody. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, my biggest regret was even if I hadn't, you know, been drinking big, but I'd just been up too late and I was exhausted is the next day. I'm just not giving my student what they deserve. Right. Yeah. You're not giving them that full experience. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, the biggest kick I got out of tandem certainly wasn't physically strapping other people to me. It was just feeding off the excitement that they had. Seeing that smile on the ground. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Because you get to send them away and and no matter what, when it's all said and done, you did that. You know, I mean, yeah, another tandem instructor could have done it, but that was your student. You showed them that good time. And you and I both know our students are never going to remember our fucking names or our faces, but they'll remember that jump for the rest of their lives. For sure. hundred percent. Pretty cool, right? Yeah. I try to make sure they'll possibly remember my name. I try to give them a good time. <laughs> or at least, yeah. you know sell it enough so that they want to come back and do it again and and maybe even start aff and jump on their own like yeah train the students and show them what i'm doing up there that is a really cool thing too and i've had it happen uh more than a few times where a tandem student that i took came out and went through the aff and became a jumper and i even have a couple of old students that have become instructors which is just insane yeah man it's great seeing them go forward and take their own journey and just knowing that their first jump was with you it's kind of right well and it's it's cool too because it's such a young skydiving is still a very young sport in that our generations come so quickly right you know i mean three or four years down the road the whole drop zone might be a whole next generation of jumpers because so many more new people came out yeah it's definitely uh it definitely changes i feel like you know, the type of people that were around when I first started jumping, the type of people that are around now. I don't know. Maybe it's just a change of society. A little bit. Well, also, I think skydiving now has become every year it gets a little bit more mainstream. And every year it's a little less of a so-called extreme sport, if you know what I mean, because it's everywhere. I mean, it's it's on TV and movies and fucking family guy is making skydives. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I heard that. You know, yeah, so it, you definitely see it a lot more. It's definitely uh, a lot of people. And, you know, the more people that get into it, the more more accidents that happen but at the same time skydiving has just gotten safer and safer with more technology and more knowledge well and for a young guy like you too that's decided that skydiving is his profession it's got to be kind of nice being in a position of seeing it become more and more mainstream because man you got a job for life yeah you know definitely cool to see more people wanting to get involved because I remember as a kid trying to talk everybody into going skydiving, it just seemed impossible to get even one person to come out and make a jump. Right now, have so, you done any? Uh, have you done any traveling with jumping? I have actually. I'm going to the Castaway Boogie here in February, nice. in Puerto Rico. Nice. Um, I think that's. I mean, that's technically still U.S. soil, but I haven't jumped anywhere else as far as like out of the country. Um, I've went out to California, jumped Oceanside, Elsinore. Couldn't make it to Skydive San Diego because I jumped without an AAD for the longest time. But, mm. uh, I finally 
got one put in. Definitely yes. recommend jumping with an AED. Yeah, that's pretty much almost anywhere anymore. You can't uh, get away without AEDs. Yeah. Almost. Now, have you thought almost. about, have you thought, because where you're at, is it seasonal or are you guys year round? We're year round. It's definitely still kind of seasonal. Like, you know, we get a bunch of rain and ice that comes through and puts everything to a halt. But um, I remember in Georgia learning to do tandems. I was plowing snow in January. So we definitely <laughs> we definitely jump year round. Dude, uh, I'll tell you the coldest I have ever been is at a proper cold fucking day of jumping. Actually, it was in Vegas and it was I think it was like 28 below at altitude standing still. So with windshield, I don't know what the fuck it was, but you couldn't feel your hands like I knew I was holding on to something and I hoped it was my pilot shoot. It's, yeah. it's, it's brutal or you can feel them and the only thing you can feel is pain like especially right? when you're at the ground and then all that adrenaline wears off and you look at your hands and they're purple and you can't bend your fingers it's, yeah it's, it can be kind of miserable yeah yeah especially when that's like load one and you know you got uh, a bunch more coming up yeah so anytime we get people that jump during that time of the year i'd like to really um emphasize that they should come back in the summertime and jump because you know your first skydive and the cold misery could make a difference on whether or not you want to come back and do it again like oh that hurt that was miserable and i like tell them like no it feels great in the summertime so yeah now have you try to layer them up good enough have you thought about trying to get on to uh operations around the world that uh look for seasonal guys for a couple months here and there? Like I I got to work uh Fiji, I got to work New Zealand doing just seasonal stuff when it was too cold in the States. Yeah, I've definitely gotten a few offers um as far as like Iceland and stuff like that. Nice. Um, different people um taking those journeys and telling me, hey, you should hop on this train and do stuff like that. Um but I'm a loyal kind of guy. I like to stick to working sure. for the man. Sure. Um, yeah. Nothing wrong with that, though, man. I mean, shit. At the end of the day, you, you've got that future. And and uh, being somebody that they can count on means that they're going to be there for you as well. Also, just, you know, having a comfortable workspace that you've made for yourself and knowing where everything's at. But yeah, um, yeah. I definitely this year would love to do more traveling and get out there a lot more. Um, that's definitely on the list. Kind of tired of seeing the same stuff and same people every day. Sure. And definitely know there's more experiences to be had out there. And I wouldn't say greener pastures, but pastures that I haven't seen yet. Yeah, just so. different, man. I mean, one of the cool things about um, skydiving getting as accepted worldwide as it is, is now for destination boogies and shit. To, there's so many places. Like, I just helped train a, a pilot for the Kenya boogie. When the fuck else am I going to go to Kenya and watch people jump out of airplanes and play with giraffes, man? I mean, come on. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah, man. It's uh, cool stuff. You got like back that. from from Africa not too recently, right? Yeah, yeah. I was just there, I want to say, a month and a half ago, training one of the pilots for the for the boogie out there, which was awesome. Okay. Yeah, so it was good. pilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, when I retired from Skydive Dubai, I was the assistant chief pilot there for about 10 years. Um, and then moved to where I'm at now in Helsinki, just outside of uh, town. Uh, and uh, so I'll go do some some contract work. And and this one, they just needed somebody to help um, show a, a low jump time uh, jump pilot to the ropes. So any excuse, man, to go travel and, and see other jumpers. 
Heck yeah, for sure. That's actually, if I do have any goals or plans, that's definitely one of them. I can't wait to learn how to fly. Oh, um, dude. I mean, it's the, you're in the right industry. Yeah, hopefully it's hard to find a good CFI that wants to actually share the knowledge though. You know, when you work in the sport and make what you make. Yeah, you know, for sure. To go travel to boogies when, you know, you have to take off and not make that money to go spend money. So that's probably what's been holding me back for most of the years, but getting back up on my feet now and hopefully some things will start shining towards my way. I had a, a couple of, actually, it's been really cool because uh, over the last few years, I've seen a lot of my friends that have been jumpers full time, uh, either showing interest in or going out and getting their pilot's licenses and flying. Actually, one of the guys that I flew and jumped with at uh, CSC in Chicago now is the chief pilot for uh, Oceanside. And I'm like, this is, that's just fucking cool. Cause I remember when he was saying he wanted to go fly and now he's running the show. So it's, it's awesome seeing that happen. And it's just kind of a, a natural evolution for a lot of jumpers. Right on. Especially after um, beating your body up doing tandems for so long. It oh, seems like man. sitting in that chair starts to sound like a good way. To kind of <laughs> how, how, how are you holding up physically? Cause you start out uh, doing the hardest job on the drop zone pack and parachutes. And then you go into hauling meat, which is, I mean, let's face it, it fucks you up. Yeah. I mean, I love hauling the meat, but, uh, I've taken people over 300 pounds because I'm little. I can take those big guys and usually get strapped <laughs> to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's definitely taking a big toll on my body, but um, you know, I don't see myself doing it forever. You know, nothing lasts forever, but sure. I, I definitely want to keep that rating as long as possible. Do you, um, uh, do you go out of your way to try and um, take care of yourself physically outside of just work? Are you doing yoga and stretching and lifting and all that stuff? So now I'm finally getting back into the gym and starting to put good nutrients in my body. Um, a few years ago, you know, drinking and doing a bunch of toxins was not the way to go. And sure. Starting to feel the deterioration through myself, but I feel like now I'm focusing on being healthy definitely starting to improve my lifestyle yeah man well i'll tell you because i was lucky in that i had gotten hooked into uh working out and and fitness long before i was jumping so it kept a lot of the injuries at bay for me but even now having been super active uh outside of jumping my whole life fucking hell man it <laughs> you start getting out of bed kind of slow so it definitely yeah. takes a toll yeah, definitely grateful to be getting back into the gym or getting into the gym. I can't say getting back into the gym like I was some bodybuilder before, but sure. um, I'm actually well, finding a good release in that now. And um, yeah, man. Well, the good thing is, it's fuck. It's it's not about being a bodybuilder. It's just about feeling good and staying healthy, yeah. which is awesome. So. Yeah. You look down the road, you're still a young guy, but you've been at this a while. I mean, you're kind of, you're, you're full time and you're 100% in the life. Is there an end game? Is there a long road? Are you looking at, at, uh, um, when you step away from tandem instructing, are you eyeing rigging? Are you eyeing management? Are you eyeing flying? That kind of stuff. Um, I would definitely love to get my riggers ticket this year. I'm going to start studying that and start opening some manuals, start watching pack jobs more and hopefully get on that train. I definitely want to learn how to fly. And I'm about sick and tired of people asking me if I'm going to go compete. <laughs> so, you Is know, that just time and money, time and money. I definitely love swooping. That's one of my favorite things in the sport. Um, but 
finding sponsors you know that can be kind of hard <laughs> gyro where you guys at <laughs> well i'll tell you what i got the signs right behind me there's people from gyro listening so uh we'll definitely see what we can swing for sure now yeah, my patcher is getting a little outdated i think it's uh 2018 or actually it's 2015 so it's about eight years old and i'm still flying it nice nice well time to step it up we'll have to see what we can do now um you say competition i've had a lot of the the top names on that that, you know have been doing this forever and i i ask them either on the podcast or off i'm like man that's so much time energy and pain and suffering to put into making a a prize money that probably didn't pay for the trip you just took and all of them are like yeah that's not what it's about no, it's about the knowledge and it's about getting your toe on that water. And yeah, man, the passion of yourself it. And, yeah, progressing for sure. The passion. I love it, man. Which and is I would awesome. love to do more of that. It's just like you said, the time and the money thing. For sure. For sure. Well, and when you're full time jumping for work, it's tough to step away from that so that you can go jump without pay. Right. And doing one or two video jumps or AFF jumps throughout the day is just, you know, too many variables change throughout the day for you to actually dial your canopy in and yeah, to try to get better and within a week's time. That's the big thing, right? Is I mean, it's all about currency and to compete currency means you did 10 jumps in a day, not 10 jumps in a week or a month. Right. You know, and I mean, even if you're shooting video, you can only train to such a degree when you're shooting a tandem video. Yeah, when you're coming back from a long spot and <laughs> yeah, not wearing a weight belt. And, yeah. Yeah. A whole bunch of factors. All the so, traffic that you got to squeeze your canopy in between. Which just gets to be too risky anyway. I mean, trying to train while you're working full time is just a, a tough position to be in. Yep. Um, <laughs> definitely want to focus a little bit more discipline on that, though. Too cool. Now, the the drop zone that you work at, Skydive Alabama, you're there full time full-time so when people want to come out and jump with you they want to train with you they want to do a tandem with you they want to come out and and do whatever how do they track you down at the drop zone can they find you on social media how do they find the drop zone yeah i'm on facebook james heck j-a-m-e-s-h-e-c-k like what the heck was this kid (laughs) Um, you can follow me on instagram under sky kid with three y's and three d's um hit me up message me i'm totally down for a conversation and would love to fly with anybody Awesome. Awesome. What's the uh, what's the website for the drop zone? I believe it's skydivealabama.com, but don't quote me on that. I'm guessing if they Google Skydive Alabama, they're going to find it. Yeah, you'll definitely find us. Awesome. I think we are the, I would say we're definitely the best drop zone in Alabama, but I think that's because we're the only drop zone in Alabama. Well, that's fighting a good battle then. <laughs> yeah, there might be one somewhere else down towards the coast, but I don't even know if they're open anymore. Nice. Nice. James, man, I'm super stoked we got to sit down and talk. It's taken a little while. I know you've been busy. I've been busy. We're bouncing all over the place, but this was fucking cool. Heck yeah, man. I'm glad we uh, took care of it and finally got to sit down and get this conversation rolling. Hell yeah, man. I can't wait to hear about a potential for uh, competing down the road someday. But more than anything, I can't wait to hear about flying. I want to I want to f- see you behind the stick. Heck yeah, man. I can't wait for it. All right, brother. See ya. See you, man.
Well, there you have it. Another episode of the Lunatic Fringe Podcast brought to you as always by... Well, wait. Not as always, actually. Brought to you now by Gyro. Formerly known as Enziero Sports, you'll head to gyro.com for their next level line of canopies. By Pussfoot, the Extreme Sports Collective. Head over to pussfoot.com to check it out. By Summit Parachute Systems... Check out SummitParachuteSystems.com to talk to Jarrett Martin and the gang about kick-ass pilot rigs, rigging courses, and more. By Flyaway Indoor Skydiving. Go to FlyawayTN.com and check out all the cutting-edge stuff to come. By Pure Spectrum CBD. Head to PureSpectrumCBD.com to check out their wide range of CBD products. And as for us, head to the LunaticFringePodcast.com to listen to any of the hundreds of episodes currently available. Hit the link for our YouTube channel, pick up your copy of the Lunatic Fringe book or The Accidental Stripper, and get a sneak peek at upcoming guests. Once again, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you.